I promised I wouldn't forget the kids you may leave. You may go upstairs and do whatever you do with whoever is going to be leading children's church today. Hey, Dave, can I get my PowerPoint? Good morning, you guys. Long time no see for some of you and some of you I saw last week. There we are. So before I start, I'd like to just open up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful fall day that seems to finally stay. Um, And thank you for the opportunity for me to bring this message to this church. It's been on my heart for a while, um, and I hope that it comes across fondly. These things we pray in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So as you can see up here, I'm going to be uh, preaching on James 1, 2 through 4. And uh, I didn't know what to title the message because it's kind of a new perspective and a new priority. And so I made my own word up, a new prior perspective. And we'll get to that in a little bit later. Here's a few things I'd like you to know about myself. Uh, I attended Bible college for four years, and a lot of people asked me, why are you going to become a pastor? Are you going to take over the church? Are you going to go find your own church? And I didn't go to Bible college for that. I actually went to Bible college so that I could become a teacher, and that hasn't happened yet. But um, even so, out of all the classes I've taken, I failed preaching class. <laughs> um, there's a number of reasons for that. And actually, truth be told, I didn't fail. I would have failed under normal circumstances. My teacher felt pity uh, because of the beginning. It was a summer preaching class, and he told me, he told everyone, oh, no one's going to fail this class. It's going to be a piece of cake. And then he saw me preach. He's like, shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so he had to pass me. Uh, but under, uh, in all honesty, that's one of the reasons I never preached, just because I was like, yeah. never really had the opportunity or never really wanted to. And uh, now the time has come. Here I am. Um, another thing you need to know about me is I have very poor English skills. Uh, if you've known me for a long time, my wife or Kevin's chuckling over there, uh, I play by my own rules. But the problem with English is that everyone plays the same rules so that we all understand each other. At least that's the goal. Um, so if you know me long enough, you'll kind of understand how I speak and why. I say things, my sentence structure is really poor. I say things backwards, and it, it's all over the place. And I'm afraid that it has leaked into this message. So if you guys are a little confused and and things seem out of place, I'm trying my best. So just hang with me. If you look at everything in, it'll it'll be just fine. Um, Another one of those reasons I bring that up is I don't have a paper in front of me. I have poor English skills. I don't write good. I don't write well. So my (laughs) entire... So my entire sermon is on the PowerPoint. Uh, Get ready for 62 slides, baby. Uh, uh, One of the reasons being is it's just not how I learned to speak. I learned to speak in front of other people through 
PowerPoint and drawing the attention over there. And so I apologize. A lot of the time I'm going to be looking here. It's like, what did I put up next? Um, because I don't remember. I've reviewed this twice, and I made it yesterday. So hang in tight. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, some purges. In the, yeah, get ready for 60 slides. So first I'd like to uh, start by reading the passage, which is James 1, 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces, uh, produces perseverance. And let perseverance have its full effect in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And there's a handful of key words in there that I'd like to highlight, being trials, perseverance, perfect, and all. So for trials, the word itself is mentioned 11 times in the Bible. It is also commonly translated as tests. Uh, Pharisees tested Jesus. Dave, don't laugh so much. It makes me nervous. <laughs> so <clears throat> it makes, uh, it also translated as tests. And the common theme is that it is always, at least in the Bible, mentioned it is a precursor to something greater. I'd like to make the, probably the perfect example of that would be Jesus' crucifixion um, as he was tested and trialed by the Pharisees. It's a little bit different. It's not like a, not like a judicial trial. It's like a trying time or as Jesus carried the cross up to, you know, to Gethsemane. Well, he didn't go to Gethsemane. It was the Garden of Gethsemane. He carried the cross up and he was crucified that that's a trial, and it was a precursor. It's that type of trial, and it leads to the faith that we have today. Is the trial or the test was a precursor to what we have today, and that's the type of trial that I'm talking about. The second one I have, or at least the word, is perseverance. It is also commonly translated as steadfastness. It indicates a sense of standing firm, under all circumstances. It is also considered, or not considered, described as one of God's attributes of being steadfast, unmoving, unchanging. And that is what you know, James is telling us, you to be steadfast. Have be steadfast and hold on to it. It is also indicates that it is a prolonged state of time. Now I just have a question, how many of you guys are runners in the room? Karen, even you didn't run, put up your hand. I hate running. Running is the absolute worst invention, if you could call it that. Um, my best friend uh, tried to teach me how to run, and he did a pretty good job. Um, but I remember he, he lives at the top of the hill, and we did this big old loop. And we came at the bottom, and I'm, I'm dead. It's the first time we ran two or three miles or some stupid thing like that. And then he's just like, all right, now I want you to sprint home. And it was one of those points where I'm like, no. <laughs> and he said, yes, go. Um, and I did it. I ran all the way up there, and my heart almost exploded. But I remember through the entire time, I was thinking, I'm just going to stop. What is it going to do, hit me? It's not a big deal. But it was one of those things where I really didn't think that I could do it any longer, um, and I was able to persevere and do it. And in the end, I actually threw up. But you know, <laughs> uh, but that's not that's besides the point. The whole point was that I persevered and 
even when I thought that there was nothing left, uh, there was still quite a lot more for me to go on. Oh, perseverance. <laughs> Hang in there and just hold on till Friday, on my weekly life. Uh, the third word I'd like to show is perfect. It is also translated as mature, complete, indicating that you are lacking in nothing. Now, um, this is actually, I looked it up because Don showed me a long time ago. This particular word is an agricultural term. It, when I say perfect, you guys think, oh, without blemish, no problems. It's perfect. It's great. Well, it's a little bit different in the Jewish mindset. Um, the word perfect as an agricultural term is more like when a crop becomes perfect, it's ready for harvest. It becomes, it's ready, it fulfills its purpose is ultimately the idea behind it. And I guess if I were to put that into modern terms, um, when you're loading up something on the computer and it has 100%, it's not without defect, it's just 100% done, it's ready. So that's the point. That I'm trying uh, that the, when they say perfect or mature, it's, it's what it's trying to communicate. It's <clears throat> and the last word that I wanted to show would be the word all. Now this is a save the best for last. It starts at the beginning of the passage, but I wanted to make sure that we completely understand this word because it kind of puts the whole passage into a unique perspective. Um, it's, I think it's mentioned, what, 994 times in the Bible? Which is a small number. And it is translated as pos. And I just wanted to make sure, because I, I, I look, I read each in 994 terms of it, just to make sure that I completely understood the meaning of this word. And in the end, the most literal way to translate the word all is everything, or all. And the reason that is significant is because <clears throat> when you look at the passage, it says, count it all joy, or consider it all joy. When you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect in you, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now, count it all shows kind of an interesting perspective of what has been and what will be. When I look back around my life, and I'm sure whenever any of you guys look upon yours, we kind of put them into two categories. This is the good, and this is the not so good. I'm going to remember this, I'm going to forget this. But James tells us to count every trial that we've been through and will go through as joy. And I'll be honest, I'm not there yet. And I don't know if any of us are. You know, I picked this passage in the beginning because it sounded so strange to me. Why would we count it all joy when we go through something? Oh, my grandma passed away two weeks ago. Let's count it all joy. Why? How? How can we even do that? The other part is... Oh, I see. Oh. I actually meant to take that out. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll come back to it. I'm not sure. I, I try to be a little tech savvy and actually have a clip of the movie, but there's something like 
copyright issues or something. I wasn't able to actually put it into the sermon. But uh, has anyone seen the page master? It's as old as I am. Oh, are you really? Awesome. All right, I'll save you the I'll save you the sob story. Then I'll probably tell it one other time. Maybe later in the passage or in the sermon where it actually would make sense. That was not supposed to be there. So, you know, when I have, when I think about have a new perspective, I was like, oh, let's, let's try a little bit of examples. It's already the 23rd, and that means next week is bills. Can't wait for my bills, baby. Count it all joy. Next week's bill week. What's this? I love midterms. I love finals. I love tests. I love, at least at Menards, audits where the big people come down and they look at you and say, you guys suck. I love it. Or the second part is I just lost my job. I didn't actually lose my job, but you need to count it all job. And so James tells you that your reaction should be, let's go. Sweet. I can't wait. Or at least one that's here is I got to deliver a sermon tomorrow as I was writing this all yesterday. And uh, I have to go deliver and I feel incredibly ill-prepared. I... Let's go, baby. Let's go. It's not my initial or second or third reaction at all. I don't have that joy or excitement to face those trials. Well, James is kind of cheating, if we kind of look at the pastor itself, is that he kind of has this little process where he goes from trials, and then trials lead to perseverance, you know, it's like running really hard and you just hate your life while you go up the hill. And that leads to becoming or a perfected faith. Or in a way it becomes, you become a better person through trials. At least you can be. At least you perfected faith. And then when you're done with that, it leads to joy. So James is just using a cop out and saying trials equal joy. So, you know. About that. This is about the part where I would throw in the thing about the page master, and I'm just going to briefly describe that little movie to you. It's a movie that came out in 1994, so it's old as me, and it's uh, with McKelly Culkin and crazy guy from Back to the Future. What's his name? Lloyd? Christopher Lloyd? Um, the, the whole premise is there's a really timid, weak, scared kid who can't do anything. He he's, recites statistics about how he shouldn't have a treehouse, how he, how he can't climb trees or how he can't do anything. And, uh, he, and he finds himself in a library. And he trips and falls, hits his head, and he finds himself as a cartoon in the library. And his whole goal is that he wants to get to the exit. And he meets someone at the very beginning, and it's the page master, Christopher Lloyd. And he says, uh, you just need to go to the exit. It's just right there and you see the big exit sign throughout the whole time and he meets a you know a few books literal books on the way um and so while he treks his way he goes through horror and he meets dr jekyll and mr hyde and then he goes through adventure where he sees or he gets shipwrecked by moby dick and enslaved by slay uh, by pirates and then he faces he goes through fantasy where he faces a dragon until he reaches the top where he finds the exit. When he finally gets to the exit, there's the page master just sitting there. And he says, what are you doing here? He gets really rather ticked off at him. He says, do you have any idea what I've been through? 
I've been scared half to death, squashed, thrown, tossed, eaten by a dragon, and all the rest. And he looks at him, and the page master stares at him and says, yet you stand here before me. And he says, well, yeah. And the page master tells him, you think, boy, what would have happened if I just took you here at the turn of a page from the beginning? Would you have had any of the adventure, or would you have changed at all if I just took you here to the end? And, you know, over the time he becomes, you know, a brave little boy or, you know, now he's, he's, a, he's a grown man who takes down a dragon and he knows how to use his smarts. Um, in the same way, it's kind of like when you, when you pray for patience. Does God just say, okay, you have patience now? When you pray for patience, what does God give you? A stoplight. He gives you an opportunity for you to, to give it, to show your patience. In the same way as, you know, you, oh, Lord, I'd like to become a, a better person. I want to become more Christ-like. I want to become more like a Christian. He doesn't just say, okay, you're more like me now. Welcome to being perfect. He doesn't do that. It doesn't work that way. You have to exercise. You have to go through the fire. This iron has to be, I don't know, I don't know how to make, I don't know how to make steel, but iron somehow makes steel through fire and flame and a lot of, hammer and banging and all that stuff. It's not easy. It's not an easy... Did anything change? Okay, good. Because I, I hit a button. I don't know what it did. Um, <clears throat> but the point is, is that you go through trials. God allows trials. God puts trials in your life that you can overcome so that you can become more like him or that you can become a stronger person so that you may have persevere through it and become more Christ-like or become more perfect, become more mature. So what was the last one I had? Okay, lost. Yeah, okay, joy. So there's, new, there's the new prior perspective. I put it this way. The perspective part of it is to see trials as joyous opportunities for maturity. Now, I... I'm not fully there. I don't have the word Joyce in there, but I can see trials as an opportunity for maturity. And the second priority is to grow from those trials into maturity. Because there's actually two ways that you can take a trial, and that is, um, here we go. No trial is too great to overcome. God will always have you know, just at the level enough just for you that you can overcome. However, there are times or when we will let the trial overcome us, which is the opposite effect. That's when I give up running. That's when, which I have given up running. I haven't run in years, by the way. <laughs> That's when you give up and you, you despair. And when you let the trials overcome you or you keep letting them overcome you, your faith weakens and you become weaker and you don't, you don't rely on him, you rely on yourself and you kind of spiral down. You ask questions like, you know, it's like trials that defeat you, like, why did God let my dad die? Why did I lose my job? 
you know, how do you bounce back from that? How do you continue trusting in God after you've lost your job? You don't know what to do next. How do you, when you lose someone who's incredibly dear to you? Those are really hard trials that I have not personally experienced myself, but I have seen other people go through, and I've seen a lot of people lose their faith, or all but lose their faith because of it. What happens is their faith becomes kind of like a dying embers, and they just sit there and schmolder. But like Samwise Gamgee, there's actually always hope, and that embers can burn again. That is a different message for a different time. But even when you've lost all hope or even when you've given up on God, he never gives up on you. And then he can, and he will, because he still cares about you even if you forget about him. So then, what does it take to come out on the other side stronger? What does it take to become more perfect? I've, argued, I've said this a handful of times, at least the answer should have been up there a few times. Has anyone got it? It's one word. It starts with a P or an S. Oh, perseverance. Thank you, Dave. It's perseverance. Perseverance indicates prolonged suffering. You know, that's the, it's like when you're running up the mountain and the mountain never ends. It indicates that it's not a quick one and done, you're done. It's a long, arduous process of finding that other job or making it through all, you know, making it through the future, even though you have no idea what it's for. Um, the second part is, is that when you look back on your trials, hindsight is twenty twenty. I should have done X, Y, or Z. Um, in the same way, if you don't, in the midst of your trials, know I say, I don't see God. I don't see him here. I don't see him guiding me. There's no light up to my feet. I don't know where I'm going. When you're on the other side of the trial, and I'm sure, and I hope, most of you guys can agree, when you get to the other side and you look back, you can see that God's hand was there the the entire time. Probably a cliche of of really, uh, you know, the two paths of footprints on the sand where God is walking with someone and the guy looks back and he says there's only one pair of footprints. It's, you know, he says, where were you in my hardest times? And he says, I was carrying you through the times. But there's really big points in the sand where I just dropped you on your butt and picked you up and let you go again. So, what was that other part you might not see him right now, but if you look hard enough and you pray and you think about it, or maybe if you try all those, you still might not see him. In the end, look back in the future at a time where you probably were struggling the most, and you, you'll see his hand, because he doesn't abandon you. Well, on what about when you're in the midst of a trial and you have no idea what to do? Well, thankfully, James what was it, 5 through 6, 1, 5 through 6, tells us that we can search for wisdom. We can ask him. We can ask God for wisdom on what to do, that we may not be lacking any wisdom. And there's only one caveat, is that you have to believe in him enough to ask. You don't just, he's not going to give you the answer if you don't believe in him. 
He says he'll give wisdom to those without finding fault. But the good thing about us is that we have Jesus Christ's blood, and when we believe in him, we have no fault. So you have to believe in him enough to ask. And this actually comes up to the end here, where I have the example that was in my heart. The reason why I wanted to bring this up to this church was because um, this is very quite honestly the journey that we've gone through. Um, for those of you who are visiting or do not know, um, my dad or the pastor was called away to uh, Iowa, seven and a half hours away. Well, you can make it six if you don't obey the traffic signs. <laughs> um, and when he left, I, my first thought for this church was, we're done for. I don't know what's going to happen next, but I don't think we're going to survive. And I can't be more joyous to the fact that I was wrong. Uh, to those who have continued to come here or come to prayer or have stepped up, have noticed that this church is different more than it has ever been before. Where people have stepped up and tried and changed and put, in the words of Peg Miller, put both feet in to lift this church and to keep it up. Um, And one of the things that I remember my dad saying is when someone leaves a church, there will always be people who leave. But there also will be people who come. And I thought to dad, that is the dumbest thing you've ever said. (laughs) I, I, I didn't understand it. I was like, why would people come to a church who has no pastor? Why would people come and see, you know, because, you know, to me, a church, a pastor plays a really huge role. But as many of us have realized, our pastor has been playing too big of a role in which we had him do too much. And now we've kind of spread that responsibility out. If I take a simple example, Sue Alexander or my mother-in-law has organized, we we couldn't pay a person to clean the church anymore. So she said, okay, one one person cleans it every five weeks or something, and then that's that. We no longer have to worry about that. Everyone steps up and cleans the church. And I'll be honest, I was a janitor for many years, and they do a pretty dang good job. (laughs) And I'm thankful for everyone who does that. On another level, uh, I want to thank the elders and anyone who stepped up to teach or preach, step in for leading prayer on Sunday morning for Sunday school, or taught a message. I wrote this, this message has been on my heart, but I wrote it just yesterday. And I may work 45 hours a week or more, and I know a lot of these guys work more than that, and they still have time to sneak in a message that is meaningful and meant for this church. And it's great. And I'm thankful for, I'm very thankful for them. And so, you know, I guess you could say one of my actual uh, responses to all that is joy. I am joyful and I'm very thankful that my dad left. Because now this church is in a different it's on a different plane than it was before. One that it's needed to get it. You know, God uses trials to shake things up, and He shook us up good. 
And I'm thankful for it because we're different for it. We're better for it. We didn't despair. We didn't let our faith dwindle. We didn't all scatter on. A lot of people held on, and it's really weird, but I see new people here almost every week. That blows me away. And so for those who are visiting, I thank you for anyone who's their first time coming. And I guess uh, that was pretty much the application. If I were to wrap it all up, I'd like to say if you go ahead and read James, it's not that long, I think it's only five chapters, but he gives a new perspective on life to look at trials from a different perspective. To look on, I mean, I just moved into an apartment and now I'm living on my own with grace. It was really nerve-wracking. I don't know everything that was going to work out. I'm not really the greatest at budgeting and my, you know, paycheck can... But he made it all work out just fine. And I'll be honest, I'm so incredibly happy that he did. And uh, he's shown himself faithful to carry me through the difficult times or to carry me through all the hard times. And I'm sure if any of you guys look back at your time, you'd be able to see that as well. So with that, I'd like to close in prayer. (laughs) Dearly Father, I just want you to know, I want this church to know that I am so incredibly thankful for them and how that they care for this church and how they step up. God, if I were to say our next trial for this church, other than finding a pastor, would be how are we going to sustain crossroads? We have two crossroads. I don't know if it was 50 kids at each or 25 at, and at each one equaling about 50. But uh, um, anyone who was doing crossroads know that that's less than we had. We had to drop a church. We had to drop a school. And uh, it's not easy to put your time aside to minister to kids or in the middle of the day when most people are at work. So, Jesus Christ, I ask that you give us wisdom as to how to persevere and to continue, and may we run the race. May we stay stronger and be better for it. And, God, I ask that you give the search committee and all the other people as of this church wisdom as to who our next pastor will be. Who is it that you want to be here? May we go through this trial and test and pass with flying colors to be stronger on the other side. These things we pray in your holy name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.